Hey, welcome to Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State, Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. It is a busy week. The Oregon women's basketball program picked up another potential five-star commitment. The Oregon Ducks are awaiting word on a blue-chip All-American linebacker who's announcing his decision on Saturday. Oregon State picked up a key transfer commitment, a major recruit target of theirs, uh, of Oregon State's, decommitted from Utah. What are Oregon State's chances there? And then, of course, because it's a home game for the Beavers, they are hosting official visitors. A lot to get to, but we'll start with the Oregon Ducks football program, awaiting word from Devin Jackson. He's the number 12 linebacker in the country, the number 109 overall prospect. Lightning fast. He's an Adidas All-American selection. To be completely honest, off the top of my head, I can't remember his top three. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I do remember. It's Arizona State, Miami, and Oregon. This doesn't matter. It's it's Oregon. He's choosing Oregon. I would be absolutely floored if he doesn't choose the Ducks. Why? Going into his visit, it looked like he was a heavy Oregon lean. I thought there was a good chance he would commit during his official visit publicly last weekend. He may have committed to Oregon during his official visit privately and be waiting to announce, but I thought potentially it would come out publicly that he committed. He looked like a heavy Oregon lean. Sometimes guys take those visits and they're not sure what to think of a program, what to make of a program. And they're kind of doing their due diligence before they cut things down to three or five. And then other times you've got guys who are taking visits. And really the reason they're taking a visit is to make sure that school checks all the boxes before they announce a commitment. And and that seemed to be the case based on what I was hearing uh, about Devin Jackson's recruitment. Six foot two, 200 pound linebacker as a junior ran a 10 500 meter unbelievable, blazing fast, very fast corner fast. That's how fast he is at the linebacker position. He would be fast for a receiver, a running back, uh, a corner. This kid is unbelievably fast. One of the fastest linebackers in the country. And you've got, you know, you look at Oregon's team and they've got thumpers and and they move pretty well. Noah Sewell moves, moves very well for his size. Justin Flo, obviously hurt right now, but moves well for his size. Keith Brown, an Adidas All-American, moves well for his size. So they've got guys that move, but they don't have that blazing blazing fast linebacker and and that's potentially what this young man brings uh there's always that chance that he could commit somewhere else and really shock people you never know with high school kids but before he set a commitment date for saturday i wrote in in an Intel piece, a subscriber exclusive piece on, on Oregon Live that I thought he would be setting a commitment date for this week and that he would be announcing for Oregon. That was before he set a commitment date. And, and that was after talking to him and getting a feel for, for where he was at in his recruitment. He went to Oregon, very high on Oregon, following that visit, told me, I'm ready to shut it down. Now he didn't say, I'm ready to shut it down because it's Oregon. But if you go on that visit and you're saying you're really high on it, on, on the school, you take that visit and you immediately say, I'm ready to shut down my recruitment. It's over. Uh, there's really the writing is on the wall there and, and really a nice job by Oregon. You look back a few years ago and linebacker was one of those positions. They just didn't do very well. And I know they had Kiko Alonso and Michael Clay. And then they hit a real big lull where they had good players all over the field. But wide receiver outside of Dylan Mitchell and that linebacker spot were really issues that they needed to address. And Mario Cristobal and his staff, to their credit, they've done an, an amazing job of addressing those issues. Obviously, Justin Flo and Noah Sewell are the five-star guys. Uh, Keith 
Brown comes in as an Adidas All-American last year. And now this year, keeping that momentum going, even when necess- you know you don't necessarily look at the depth chart and think automatic playing time. You could sell Noah Sewell and Justin Flo and even Keith Brown to some extent on very early playing time because of a lack of depth. Now there's so much depth, that's not what you can sell. You're, you're selling kind of a recent tradition. And they get TJ Dudley, the four-star linebacker out of Alabama. And then they get Devin Jackson, the nation's number 12 linebacker. And again, maybe the fastest linebacker in the country. You could see him picking up running backs in the flat, dropping back into coverage and zone or picking up a tight end uh, or even, you know, being speedy, speedy off the edge and, and getting to the quarterback. You can do a lot with him. This is a really, really nice pickup. If it happens again, I expect it to, but this is a really nice potential pickup for the Oregon Ducks. This is a player that I think think gives you a new element to what is already a strength of the team at the linebacker position. So potentially a really big get for the Oregon Ducks. Also kind of along the recruiting trail for Oregon, it's not really news. I say kind of because it's it's not really news, uh, but it, it does help highlight what I've been talking about, about the class of 2023 with momentum. Oregon stands out to kids all over the country, and that's the buzz I'm hearing. Is It's not just West Coast guys. It's not just the traditional areas, not just Texas. It's all over, and, and we saw two really good examples of that this week that really highlight that Oregon's become the it program on the West Coast. Maybe in the past you went to, and, and I think Stanford will always have some level of extra boost with kids across the country because they're such an academic school, but maybe before a kid would go to Stanford and definitely for a stretch there, kids would go to USC. That was their choice. If they were thinking about West Coast schools and and they were from the East and or the South and wanted to get away. And that school now has become Oregon and, it, and it's definitively become Oregon. And you don't just see that because of TJ Dudley and Tanner Bailey in this class, but also taking a look at the 2023s. Uh, you know, five-star corner Tony Mitchell out of Alabama released his top seven schools. He places Oregon on that list. All the other schools are from the South. They're all ACC or SEC schools, except for Oregon, which kind of highlights what those five-star kids are thinking. And then Samuel Mpemba, the number one athlete in the country, announces his top 12 last week. Uh, he has to amend that. Uh, just, I think it was exactly eight days later. He, he amends it and says, I got, I got to make it 13 because I'm adding Oregon to my list of top schools. Again, another player. When you look at his list of schools, it's all schools that are in the Midwest or the East or the South. They're not competing with USC. They're not competing with Washington. They're not competing with Stanford for these elite kids from the South. And, and again, when you're recruiting and you're recruiting a kid from the South, you have to win that battle you know, against Alabama, against LSU in a number of categories. But one of the things that you can stand out at, and one of the things that you can be a school that stands out with those top recruits is we're the program that's away from home. If you want to get away, if you want a fresh start, or if you want to get away from kind of your surroundings and get away from your family and just focus on football and experience something new, come to Oregon. And in that way, Oregon is very, very different from these other programs, it's a selling point. And not every kid's going to be enamored with that, but some are. And if Oregon is the it program on the West Coast, that means they're going to have the inside track with the kids who want to leave and are elite and, again, want to get away from Alabama, want to get away from Georgia, want to get away from Louisiana, want to get away from Florida for whatever reason. They just want to get away. Oregon's going to have a shot at those kids at a different level than they used to because there is no USC to compete with. USC's not in that space right now. It's Oregon. When five-star kids from the South come up with their list of top schools, Oregon is on it. 
And we keep seeing examples of this. And that's why I keep saying this 2023 class is likely going to be the best in program history and has a chance to be top three in the nation because Oregon's going to do well on the West Coast. Oregon's now got the pipeline in Texas. They're, they're going to do well in those places. There's just too many question marks right now at Washington with Jimmy Lake. There are just too many question marks right now at USC with interim head coach Dante Williams. And then, oh yeah, by the way, after getting thumped by Oregon State, he's probably not the answer. So they're going to have to hire a new coach. And when that new coach is hired, he's going to get rid of his assistants. So we're going to see some question marks and some turnover at USC. We might see some question marks and some turnover at Washington. That leaves the door open on the West Coast. And Oregon is having a great year. They're number three in the nation. They just beat Ohio State. Oregon's having a great year while USC and Washington have major question marks. That's in and of itself a recipe for a big year. Now you throw in that Oregon has established a a Texas pipeline and just landed five-star offensive tackle Kelvin Banks as the headliner of their class of 2022. They can potentially turn that into some momentum in 2023. And then you add in this latest element that Oregon, and it's what I've been hearing for a number of weeks, a number of months now, Oregon's becoming the it program on the West Coast. When these five-star kids, these elite top 100 kids have lists and they're from Georgia, they're from Florida, they're from LSU, you know, from Louisiana, they're from Texas, which is in the South, but not, you don't think of it as SEC country. Uh, when those kids come out with lists and they list ACC programs, Big Ten programs, SEC programs, ACC programs, whatever the case may be, Oregon seems to be the standalone as the only Pac-12 school. That should tell you something. And that's yet another reason I think this 2023 class is going to be very, very special. We're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, I got to go over the visitor, visitor list at Oregon State. What things have been, what, what their win over USC means for them on the recruiting trail. We're already seeing some benefits. They have a shot now with an elite Yes, elite defensive linemen. And then the Oregon Ducks women's basketball program picked up a big commitment. They've got three huge commitments in the class of 2022. Are they done? Is there still more to come? We'll talk about that next. The Oregon State Beavers have a home game, which means they are hosting visitors. It's a small list of official visitors. But again, as I've mentioned, with only... 12 commitments in this class and taking probably only three or four more, they don't have a lot of of need to host official visitors because if you host five or six, remember, only seniors can take official visits or juniors, you know, or juniors in the spring, but we're in the fall here, so they're not going to be taking those visits. Uh, It's only seniors right now are taking official visits. And if you only have three or four spots left, you don't want to host five, six, seven, eight official visitors because the purpose generally of an official visit is you're trying to get guys to commit. So they're not going to host a ton of official visitors the rest of this season. That's just not how they're going to do it. Unofficial visits, sure. Transfers, sure. But when it comes to official visitors out of out of the high school ranks, particularly senior high school seniors in high school, they're just not going to host very many. It's just they're just not going to, and that's okay. Uh, but they are hosting a pair this week. They're hosting three-star wide receiver Sam Mason. He's looking forward to the trip. He's got an offer from Colorado, Michigan State, Oregon State, and then a number of Mountain West schools uh, like him a lot. They lost Cole Prusha. In this last recruiting cycle, or, you know, in this recruiting cycle, he committed earlier, ended up going to Princeton. He's since taken a visit to Washington, so I'm not sure if his recruitment is totally over, but it is for the Beavers. So that we know they might take a receiver if they're enamored with a receiver, because they already had at one point to Walton's Cole Prusia. So 
would they take another receiver? The answer is obviously yes, they already had one. Uh, so Sam Mason, I think if he's a take, we could be looking at a commitment from him this week. If he's not a take, uh, this may be a get to know the kid situation. And I don't know which one it is, to be honest. I know Sam's really looking forward to the trip. I don't know because I can't talk to Oregon State about prospects that are currently being recruited. If this is a trip where they're trying to check the boxes or if this is a, a trip where they're trying to lock this kid in. I don't know, but Sam's definitely excited about the trip. And again, if Oregon State had Cole Prusha in this class before, that means they see a scholarship potentially going to a wide receiver in this class. So Sam Mason is probably at the top of the board in terms of guys to watch for a commitment. The other player visiting Oregon State this weekend is three-star defensive tackle Dallas Vakalahi, a six-foot-two, three hundred-pound defensive tackle out of Utah. TCU, Utah, Oregon State are kind of his top schools. Uh, Utah's the in-state program. He's been there before. He already took an official visit to TCU this summer in June. So that really leaves his only other known official visit right now is Oregon State. He'll probably schedule more. But as it stands right now, those are kind of the three schools competing for him. I don't know, to be completely honest, what the new normal is going to be for Oregon State on the recruiting trail. It seems like there's more interest than there used to be. It seems like after beating USC off to a 3-1 and start, and potentially, you look at their schedule, potentially going something like 6-3, and 7-2 and two, relatively easily. They face the meat of their schedule at the back end. So they should do pretty well here. Uh, you know, Washington, Washington State, Cal, those are all beatable teams this year. Uh, Colorado's in that mix too. I-, I could easily see them getting some guys they haven't traditionally gotten and, and, and doing better than they've done in the last few years with the remaining three or four spots in the class of 2022. And then obviously carrying that momentum into 2023. And, and the reason I say that is frankly, we're already seeing some examples of that four-star defensive lineman Asia Moa out of Utah decommitted from Utah this week and said absolutely Oregon State is in the mix for him at this point I know BYU is also firmly in the mix for him but that's real those are really right now the scholarships he has those are the two schools that I'd be looking at if they can pull off Asia Moa that would be a massive get. He would be the highest rated high school defensive lineman they've ever landed. He would be tied for the seventh highest rated commit in program history, and he'd be the program's first ever four-star defensive lineman coming out of high school. Now, they've landed four-star defensive tackles, defensive ends coming out of the JC ranks, but they have not landed a a 24-7 sports composite four-star defensive lineman in the program's history. That's what a a Siamoa would be for this program. And again, they've got a shot. He's talked to the coaching staff. He decommitted from Utah and had already, before he decommitted from Utah publicly, he decommitted to Utah behind the scenes. This is according to Moa. Talked to Oregon State about trying to set up a visit and told them he'd be interested and then later publicly announced it. So before he'd even publicly announced that he was decommitted from Utah, he told the staff first at Utah and then contacted Oregon State. I imagine he also contacted BYU. But that being said, 
Oregon State was one of his very first calls. That's a good sign. I would really be watching this one closely. This would absolutely, unquestionably, no doubt about it, be the headliner of this class, and it's not close. And that's even with Melvin Jordan, the number six inside linebacker in the country, committing out of Florida. That's even with Dylan Lopez, the number three center in the country, according to ESPN, out of IMG Academy, but previously in Florida, but previously coming from California. He is then the unquestionable headliner of this class. Asia Moa is a big-time piece at an area that Oregon State struggled to recruit, as has everybody in the Pac-12. Everybody thinks Oregon's Oregon's recruiting is unimpeachable. And to be completely candid, they've not done well at the defensive tackle spot. They they haven't. Now things might be getting better down the road, but as of right now, Oregon State has or Oregon has not done a great job at defensive tackle. Most of the Pac-12 hasn't done a very good job recruiting defensive tackles. If you can get a CMOA, maybe he's an maybe he's an outside guy, maybe he's an inside guy. We'll see how his body develops, but that's a huge piece along the defensive line. And defensive line is a difficult difficult area to recruit along the uh, in the Pac-12 because they don't they don't have a lot of them on the West Coast. The South sometimes has 30, 40 elite or at least very good defensive ends and defensive tackles. Sometimes the West Coast uh, in that same ranking will have four or five. Just a totally different totally different deal. So if they can somehow pull off a CMOA, that would be a monster get. We did get a sign of what Oregon State's going to do. This sounds like bad news, Beaver fans. I'm telling you, it's not. Right now, Oregon State's class is just outside the top 50 with 12 commitments. Now, you might be thinking, man, a lot of other schools have a lot more than that. We're definitely claiming, we're definitely going to jump up into the top 50. Frankly, that's how I predicted it would go, that Oregon State would almost certainly have a top 50 class this year. But it sounds like they're going to stop at 15 or 16. That's based on who who they're in contact with. Now, they could be in contact with high school kids I don't know about. I try to stay on top of that, who they've offered, what those relationships are like. Are they fading with some of the kids they've offered or are they accelerating? If they're fading, that means they feel like they're mostly done. If they're accelerating with a bunch of kids, that means they want to fill a bunch of spots. But it sounds to me very much like 15, 16 is the target number and they've got 12. If they only sign 15 or 16 players, they're not cracking the top 50. So why are they only aiming at 15 or 16? And the reason is they've had success with the transfer portal. And you look at this team now and you look at the success they've had and it just seems like across the board we're saying transfer portal, transfer portal, transfer portal. Everybody, Avery Roberts, been a great linebacker, transfer portal. Tyjon Lindsey, Offensive Player of the Week in the Pac-12, transfer portal. Trey Lowe, change of pace running back, transfer portal. Deshaun Fenwick, transfer portal. BJ Baylor, traditional recruit, great get. But there are so many guys in this class that are transfer portal guys. And they've done well with the transfer portal. Micaiah Tung, John Dunmore Jr., the former Under Armour All-American out of Penn State. You know, they have a number of transfer portal guys that Keontae Shad, they have a number of transfer portal guys that are that are playing and doing well. And so they feel like they can really capitalize on that. And they did last week. Last week, they had Andrew Chatfield on campus. For their game, not the game against USC the week before, Andrew Chatfield visits, not great weather. He's a Florida kid. You go, mm, maybe maybe that'll be a tough one. Nope, they snag him. He's committed. Andrew Chatfield played quite a bit for Florida for a while, and he's going to come in at a linebacker position. And, and I think the writing is on the wall here now. If Oregon State's only taking 15 or 16 high school players, that means over time they are going to end up taking six, seven, eight transfers some at some point during the offseason. And it'll play out very similarly, I predict, to how it played out last year. Last year at this time, they were looking at a couple of transfers. They got a couple of guys in the fall. Then they add a couple guys in, in spring. 
Then they have an opportunity to add Sam Neuer to the fold at quarterback in the summer, and they add Sam Neuer. I think we're going to see a very similar trajectory for this recruiting cycle. It's a totally different thing. Transfers don't count towards your recruiting ranking, which is why Oregon State won't finish in the top 50, I predict. But it does add talent to your program. Who cares what it looks like on signing day? If it adds talent to your program and you're 3-1 and one, four weeks into the year with the thumping of USC instead of 0-4 oh and four, or 1-3 you know, like you were under Gary Anderson a number of times, yeah, I think Oregon State fans will take it. Who cares what they say on signing day? So I think we're going to see a transfer portal where they get Andrew Chatfield, obviously, already committed. And he's already moved there. He's already set. I think we could see a scenario where they add one or two more in the fall. And then maybe one or two in the spring. And, or maybe three or four in the spring. It depends on, on you know who's available and what they think. And then one in the summer. Now, they don't currently have the room, and that's part of the reason they won't get them all in the fall. Oregon State doesn't currently have the room for that. And that doesn't mean they're kicking kids out of the program. It's the same thing that happens everywhere. Kids, after the fall season, don't get the playing time they want. They transfer. Some guys medically retire. Then you go through the spring practice, spring practices, and guys realize where they stand in the pecking order after spring practice, and they transfer. And when they transfer from Oregon State, they transfer from all over the country. And Oregon State goes, oh, that guy's available. Let's go after him. They've done a great job of evaluating the transfer portal and getting guys that can be impact players. And I think that's what we're looking at again this next cycle. So something to watch for Oregon State. Again, I think they finish with 15 or 16 and then add six, seven, eight more transfers. And look at what they've done. A number of all Ameri- former All-Americans, multiple former four-star prospects, and they haven't all panned out. But they've all, for the most part, added depth. Tristan Jebby and Sam Neuer have added depth to that quarterback room. Now, Chance Nolan ends up being the guy, and he's a junior college transfer. And for some reason, junior college transfers do count towards your recruiting class rankings. But he was the number one junior college uh, quarterback in the country, and he's technically a transfer. So three quarterbacks in your room are transfers. It's pretty interesting how they've been able to build depth through the transfer portal, not just the high school ranks. Look at the O-line. They had a number of years where they couldn't recruit well for offensive linemen. They did a bad job, flat out bad job recruiting offensive linemen. But you get Brandon Kipper from Hawaii, turn him into a starter. Nathan Eldridge is a starter at Arizona. You flip him over and he becomes a valuable piece at Oregon State. You hit on your highest rated high school offensive lineman the last five or six years in Joshua Gray, and suddenly you've got three really good linemen. And you know, one was your highest rated recruit that you've gotten in a number of years. And then the other two are transfers. That's how they put it together. They've done a nice job. Oregon women's basketball adds a big commitment this week, literally and figuratively in six foot seven Arizona post Kennedy Basham, the third commitment in Oregon's class. They now have three high level pledges. It's funny because they ESPN updated its rankings like 12 hours after Kennedy Basham announced her commitment. So when she committed, she was the number 44 player in the country. By the time I checked to update my story the next day, make sure everything was right. I looked at it. She was the number 58. So she fell 14 spots in 12 hours. It's just literally the ESPN updated their rankings. But Oregon's class now consists of Chance Gray, the number seven player in the nation. She is the second highest rated commit in program history behind only Sabrina Unescu. To give you an idea how good she could be, she's from Ohio. They got Jenna Asai, a wing, the number 35 prospect in the country who's been banged up a little bit. When she's healthy and on the circuit, she looks like potentially a top 15 player in the country. And I, and I, you know, had a number of people tell me that. I asked, I try to ask, 
every time there's a commit, what is this, what is this player? And, you know, COVID kind of knocked out some time. She was hurt a little bit. So there's some belief that Jenna Asai could really rise up the rankings 20 spots or something by signing day. She may not, but if she's healthy, there's a good chance she could make that rise. And then Kennedy Basham's a six foot seven post and Oregon needs size. Oregon needs some size. They've gotten a couple of commitments in the last couple of years who are bigger bodies or, or taller, taller women's basketball players, but they're more of the project type players, transfers or three-star players. They needed a proven post that could come in and provide some rebounding, some rim protection, some depth right away. Kennedy Basham should be that. So Chance Gray, the number seven player in the country out of Ohio. Jenna Asai, the number 35 prospect in the nation out of Arizona. And Kennedy Basham, the number 58 player in the country, the six foot seven post out of Arizona. This may be an Arizona-Ohio class. And I don't know for sure because Oregon's offered a number of athletes and they've hosted a number of athletes on on visits. But Grace Van Sluten is the number 13 player in the nation out of Ohio. She visited in June. She's another key target and she's from Ohio. That would be, and she's a guard slash wing. That would be an elite recruiting class if they could add her. Now, that may not be the last target. I think they're going to add four or five. I think that's what it kind of looks like, again, based on how many people they've offered, based on who's visiting, based on who they're still talking to. It sounds like they're going to add four, maybe five. The highest rated of those players who's visited and has confirmed that Oregon is still recruiting her very hard is Grace Van Sluten. So I think she's the highest rated target left on their board. Not positive of that. But I think so. So I think they're in a battle for her. I don't know. I believe she took a visit to LSU either this week or last week. So I know LSU's involved. I know Oregon's involved. There are a number of schools involved with her, but those might be the top two. We'll just have to kind of see how it plays out. She's not set a commitment date. Uh, she, As far as I know, she has not announced the top two, three, four, anything like that. So she's definitely a player to watch that you're saying who's another star superstar they could add I think she's the biggest name to watch she's certainly the highest rated 2022 that has visited Oregon in the last few months here so Grace Van Sluten another player to watch and if they get her this is probably a top four or five recruiting class nationally big time haul Uh, Oregon also last weekend hosted Bria Cunningham the number four overall player in the country in 2023 she's got offers from all over she does have a top eight I don't remember her entire top eight off the top of my head but I know that Arizona's involved UConn is involved Duke is involved UCLA USC she's being recruited by all over the nice piece here in the, the place where Oregon has a little bit of an edge is that she was high school teammates with Tahina Pow Pow, Oregon's five-star point guard. And when they were teammates, that duo, and really there's a bunch of talent there, but that duo specifically helped lead their high school to the high school national championship. They won the San Diego sectional, which is a huge deal in California, the CIF uh, San Diego sectional. And they won the Nike Tournament of Champions, which is the biggest women's basketball high school, high school women's basketball tournament in the country. So they were very, very, very successful when they played together. And, and Bria had high praise for not only seeing Tahina, but, but, um, meeting the whole staff. She had a good time meeting everybody. She's close with Coach Graves. She's close with the entire staff. Um, you know, Coach Mosier and, and Coach, uh, Nared Hairston. 
three really good coaches. They bring in coach Nared Hairston and coach Mosier here in this last off season. And, and they've really hit the ground running. Every recruit that's committed that I've talked to has had very high praise for this entire staff, not just, you know, those three with Kelly Graves, but, but everybody, they, they really like the program. And Kennedy Basham's big thing is that she visited and, and had a good time and, and liked Oregon, but her first visit, she only met three or four players. So her hope, and she didn't make a big deal about it. She didn't, I don't think she told Oregon. Her hope was that she could meet the whole team. That was her goal. She wanted a chance to meet the whole team on her visit. And it just so happened she came for a football game weekend, which she wanted to do. She wanted to see that environment. And the entire Oregon women's basketball team, not as an orchestrated thing, but because they're all close, went to the game together. So Kennedy Basham ends up saying, you know, like for her, she said privately, you know, she told me in an interview, one of my things that I want to see is I want to meet, I want to meet all the players on the team. And then she got to hang out with all the players on the team for several hours at a football game. And, and that really is a major factor for her, that, that that really sealed the deal, that this coaching staff is close. The players are all close. They all hang out. They're not forced into hanging out. They all want to hang out and go to games together and spend time together outside of practice, which means they like each other. And that really sold her. So watch for Oregon uh, here, not only in 2022, but with Bria Cunningham and others in 2023 to have a very good recruiting class. Definitely something to watch. That We'll do it for this week's edition of the recruiting trail next week. Probably Oregon will have another commitment from Devin Jackson. I'll try to update Oregon State fans on how those visits went. I'd very much like to tell Oregon State fans and Beaver Nation that a CMOA, the four-star defensive lineman, has set an official visit to Oregon State. I don't know if he'll get that done by next episode, but if he does, we'll have that for you. Uh, and potentially, you know, there's always something on the recruiting trail. I'm also covering... Um, the primetime top 40 showcase in Oregon this weekend. By the time some of you listen to it, the, the event will have already happened. It's taking place Saturday. Uh, a bunch of the top prospects in the state of Oregon for basketball are all competing at a private uh, invite-only event. Jackson Shellstead, the West Lynn point guard, who is whose stock is skyrocketed. There's, there's talk that he's one of the top three or four point guards in the country for his class now. And again, remember, this was a kid who wasn't in the top 100 not that long ago out of West Lynn he's visiting UCLA this weekend. He won't be there. Mookie Cook, the number, he's a top 10 player in the country in his class. And Lamar Washington, who was the number one senior in his class, uh, they moved to Arizona. Jackson Shellstead, obviously still at Westland, but visiting UCLA. So those top three guys will not be there, but a number of really talented younger players will be there. So I'll also give you a rundown of who the three, four, five best players were at that camp, because there's a very good chance that those are guys who are future major recruits for the Ducks, the Beavers, and the rest of the West Coast. That's it for the recruiting trail. Thank you for listening.